how you doing? Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available for Thursday the 7th of December 2017 with me, Daniel Ruiz Tyson, episode 195. I hope you're all well keeping on doing what you need to be doing to keep yourself going. My bouffant tells you everything you need to know about how I'm doing right now. The disregard from the kids is even greater at this age if you've got no hairstyle. You need something, not something fancy, not something that you shouldn't be going anywhere near at this stage of your life, but you need a hairstyle. If you have hair, you need a hairstyle. And all too often in my life, I let the hairstyle just slip away. And I'm so snowed under right now, there is no way I can uh, see a barber this week. We are a third of the way uh, towards Christmas now. Soon it will be time for me to ask you for your channel. Christmas submissions for the Bumper Christmas Annual Show, our 200th episode. Channel Christmas, of course, the uh, once-a-year-only channel that appears mysteriously on Christmas Eve before disappearing. The response, I'm sure, will be underwhelming and I'll be on Twitter begging for your submissions as I was last year. How can a show about to hit the double century still get such little feedback? This show, I think, sums up my life. The hairstyle sums up my life. Everything sums up my life, really. Good positive opening, Dave. Keep it going. The bite-sized episodes of this run of 25 shows were meant to be comprised of, but never quite happened. I'm definitely calling that in tonight. I've been up since... Uh, Oh, 5.30 hours. It's now coming up to 2,200 hours. I'm getting crushed by the man. I don't know how I'm going to do the three shows I have to do in that final week leading up to Christmas. The Christmas Eve show, that takes us up to episode 200. I don't think there's anyone left among the listenership who actually uh, caught the uh, opening episode back in November 2012. So that week leading up to Christmas, leading up to episode 200, that week I have to squeeze in an extra third show between the Monday episode 198 and the Bumper Christmas Annual, and then I've got to get the show on iTunes before they close for Christmas, or Apple Podcasts as they like to be known now. And it is hard getting the show up on iTunes for Christmas Eve. I learned that back in 2010. I think they work at reduced hours on Christmas Eve at the iTunes uh, store. And uh, I got caught out by that back in 2010. With this show, there is currently an artwork issue. The show by podcast standards is, I suppose, a very old podcast now. And uh, back when the show launched uh, over five years ago, now the artwork met the iTunes spec. They've since changed that a number of times. And the latest spec requirements mean that the artwork... I've had since the beginning doesn't quite look right on iTunes so there's been issues with that the people I've been using since the beginning they say uh, they can have a stab at sorting out the artwork for me if I send them the originals I'm not sure that the originals will work you know so that that change of spec has led to a problem with the artwork it may be that uh, when this show returns at some point in the spring perhaps after it ends at Christmas that I will have to look at finally getting some new artwork in. One thing that's, uh, well, one more thing uh, that's given me problems at the man's new building. Actually, just today, someone, you know, a colleague, just, you know, when someone talks to you in a certain way and you think, why would you talk to someone like that just because of your position? That really irked me. It's the kind of thing 
the small stuff that uh, I, I kind of struggle with. And I think I've actually handled it well today. Obviously, I'm mentioning it now, but I've got it out of my system before I uh, arrived at the flat. It just, uh, it did really uh, irk me. It's, uh, it's a good thing that I'm a very experienced person, I suppose, these days, that I've dealt with a lot of different people whenever I've given myself over to the man. But I can honestly say that I've never talked to anyone in that way. Uh, so what else was I saying? Something giving me problems at the man's new building. Okay, it's, uh, it is, as I've said, it's a, a very tight building, the new building. And uh, there's nowhere really to go to write through my lunch break without being disturbed. That's what I was going to say. I like to write on the lunch break. I always do. People see me scribbling away and it'll still just interrupt me. Asking the usual, you know, writing-related questions that people who have no understanding of the process will ask. And I think if I'm not allowed to get on with it, I'm going to end up stuck here. Like you may be or you may not be stuck. You might be doing what you want to do, which is great. You know, I've always said if I saw a dustman in the street and they told me that's what they always wanted to do since they were a kid, I'd be absolutely happy for them. I think it's so important to try and do what you want to do in life. But I don't want to be doing anything for the man. There is a reason why I work through my lunch break, why I write through my lunch break. I don't have that time. I don't have the time to just have a normal lunch break and not do anything. You know, every spare minute counts for me as far as I'm concerned. So it's frustrating. I saw Spanish Carney on Saturday, gave her her birthday presents. Their heating's still down. I mentioned that, I think, three or four shows back. It's not shocking, given the Housing Association's reputation. These are two people, nearly 80 years old. I suspect Carney is 80. She did celebrate her 70th twice in the last uh, decade. Uh, I've told this story before when I went for what was her 71st, and I was told at the door by her that it, you know this was now her 70th, and I hadn't bought a present commensurate with that milestone birthday because I'd given her the uh, big milestone present uh, a year earlier, and I was surrounded by people at her 71st who thought it was her 70th birthday, and my present that night looked pretty bad. I'm sure people were saying or thinking, that's the nephew. So, um, you know, they've got no heating, my aunt is recovering from cancer, so they're going into the winter without heating. Well, it is winter, so uh, I'm chasing that up for them. I do get frustrated that after 50 years, more than 50 years in this country, that they still don't know enough English to deal with this themselves. It's not because I mind doing it. It's not because I mind chasing this up. And, you know, it may be that even if they were English at this age now, you know, uh, someone younger would have to get involved to make sure that things were getting done. But it must be scary not to be able to do things yourself, things like this, to not understand what's going on, to not be able to explain yourself. You know, I'm bilingual, but, you know, I've been in, say, I've been in uh, the uh, Spanish region of Valencia, where, uh, you know, there is a dialect and, uh, you know, struggle to adapt to the dialect. That's where the advantage of being bilingual and it can be scary. But, you know, these guys have had 50 years here, 50 years, you know, and, and I think, you know, what they might have been able to do had they nailed the language down, they would have had a, a better control over situations like this. They would have been able to argue their cases. You know, why would you not want that? 
I said last year before the referendum, and, you know, I am one of the 48%. I, I do need to stress that. And, uh, you know, obviously for the 52%, immigration was a big thing for those guys. You know, they might claim it wasn't, but it was. And uh, here we are. We can see what Brexit has done to us. We can see the divisions. You know, I, I've been on buses since the referendum, and I have heard people talking in a horrible way to other people in a way that I have not seen since I was a kid, you know, going back to the 80s. I thought we were done with those times in this country. I thought that kind of language was gone. But people obviously feel confident enough now to, to be able to speak to people like that. Even though I'm a Remainer, though, and I'm proud to have been brought up in such a multicultural society full of different people and languages in Lambeth. And indeed, I think that's why the cafe is so important to me. You know, the noise, the different languages, the Portuguese, the Arabic, the old Spaniard in there, listening to that every day, it does take me back to my very earliest years. It really does. And I think it's a real comfort for me. Always in my work, certainly, uh, you know, my, my writing, writing about these communities I always hark back to these uh, books from my childhood, Richard Scarry's Animal Books. I remember becoming aware of these books when I was six or seven years old, and they always looked so colourful and populated. There was always stuff going on, and I always felt when I was writing that I was trying to use those images from the Richard Scarry books to try and convey the kind of community I came from. It was always busy, it was always loud, there was always stuff going on. When you live in a different country, you can't cut yourself off and hold yourself up in an insular community like my aunt and uncle and many Spaniards of their age did. You need to interact with other people. You need to learn the language. And of course, you know, it's a working class community. You know, the, the priority was to put food on the table to get the kids through school. And not many of them had the curiosity to do anything more. My dad was the exception, I think, you know, in my life. I didn't know too many people like my dad who had that curiosity to better himself, to try and nail the language, and he never quite did, but he made a brilliant stab at trying to. And he could hold his own in conversations with people, albeit heavily accented, you know, sounded like Aussie dealers, but, you know, my dad could speak English. And that's, you know, that is something I do think about. I do think there is an argument there. A second referendum, you know, kick Brexit into touch once and for all. I don't know, as you don't, whether that's going to happen. I hope it does. I hope that we can turn back from this bizarre period in this country's history. But I do think that there is a, there's a discussion to be had, a strong discussion about how to get immigrant communities such as my own to interact better. There is a generation, a younger generation of Spaniards more educated than my aunt and uncle's generation. They're over here now. They're, you know, they've been coming to uh, certainly London for a few years now, given that Spain, I think, uh, their recession was worse than our recession. And uh, this is the generation below me. I hate the term millennials. I hate any generation-specific term, baby boomers, generation X. Millennials particularly greats because, and let's call them millennials for the moment to illustrate my point, there are 35 to 36-year-old millennials now still referring to themselves as millennials because it sounds young. You know, I hear that and I think, mate, you're in your mid-30s. 
You are, if not middle-aged, you are on the cusp of it. You are not young anymore. It's like Funkhauser and Curb Your Enthusiasm claiming he was an orphan when he lost his last surviving parent in his 60s. I've never heard a generation collectively refer to themselves by their generation's nomenclature as much as this one. There seems to be this readiness to label themselves as such. Not all of them, but a, a sizable number. I find stuff like that divisive. When I first heard that term millennials, I actually thought that it referred to people born after the millennium, like my goddaughter, for instance. I didn't realise that it extended as far back as 81. I mean, no one born in the 80s, even 89, even if you were born in 89, that's not young anymore. We've got to sort this nonsense out. Anyway, these young Spaniards, they're better educated, their English is far better, they're less insular. And that is a good thing. When in Rome, etc., etc. I do think there is a discussion to be had there. And uh, I think my aunt and uncle's generation, my, my parents would have done better in this country had, had they done more, had, had, had their community not been so insular. In lighter Carnu news, meanwhile, my aunt told me that last Friday, 1st of December, my uncle had run into the uh, urinating man of Stockwell, SW9, not to be confused, of course, with the still AWOL urinating dwarf of SW8. My uncle cut through the back streets of Stockwell to avoid the prolific street urinator, only to run into him on their road. And uh, my uncle was forced, apparently, to give the urinating man his hand. You're listening to Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available sweating the small stuff because the small stuff does matter ways to support the show. You can do all your Amazon shopping by clicking on the Amazon referral link at DanielRuizTyson.com. Amazon recognizes you've gone to them via the referral link on my site and kicks back a small percentage of whatever you've purchased back to my work at no extra cost to you. Obviously, uh, that, as I have said for a, a few shows now, that really isn't working. If you want to support the show in a way that doesn't cost you anything, that is the easiest way. Further ways to support the show, you can rate and review the podcast on iTunes. That does help immensely. Reviews, not just ratings, but a review. That's what makes the difference. And uh, you can click that subscribe button on uh, iTunes or any other platform. Again, that can all contribute to a show's uh, popularity. And uh, perhaps you might even consider making a secure donation to the podcast by the PayPal link at DanielRuizTyson.com. Don't forget Daniel Ruiz Tyson's Advent Calendar, my daily podcast for the whole fast network. That is out every day until Christmas Eve. Can one man love Christmas again? Tomorrow's episode, day eight, The Raincoat, is, I think, the most downloaded episode of the series. That one uh, struck a chord with listeners. Download it and uh, be transported back to the events of Christmas 94. Oh, I'm just trying to think what my hairstyle was back then. I think I had a step, uh, might have been faded in, and certainly a centre parting, which I had, I think, from uh, 1986 to 2002, give or take uh, a year or two away from it. That's Daniel Ruiz Tyson's Advent Calendar podcast, also available on iTunes. A hygiene fail now, rather a hygiene fail in the making, I think. Very briefly, something I noticed earlier in the week. Those ridiculous Apple cable-free earphones 
got me thinking. Now, we've all had that moment when even the best quality small earphones have just fallen out of our ears as we're walking down the street. Certainly happened to me pre-2014 when the iPod travelled everywhere with me. It's inevitable. And I was looking at this guy in uh, Westminster with these cable-free earphones, which to me look a little silly. But forget that for one moment. I saw this guy with these earphones and I thought, if that comes out of your ears when you're walking through these streets, that hits the ground, that's a major hygiene fail. Those earphones, if that happened to me, would never go back in my ears. I don't care how much they cost. Our second hygiene fail today comes from the show's friend in France, Monsieur Bucket. I said back in episode 177, I think, that Monsieur Bucket always misses the show's return, but he eventually catches up with us, and it appears he now has. The Bucket Man posted on the show's Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Daniel Ruiz Tyson, is available. I'm packing a small case for a weekend away, he begins and placed a small hand towel on top of a pair of uh, outdoor shoes that weren't wrapped in a plastic bag. Hygiene fail to the nth degree. You'd be climbing the curtains here, Davy. I certainly wouldn't. I certainly would, Monsieur. Nice to hear from you. And uh, don't forget that you can uh, also follow the show on Twitter at 1607. West Egg. Been resisting the uh, temptation all week to blow my 300 plus nectar points on these soft baked biscuits, which are yet to go on offer. It's been at least uh, six weeks now since there was a deal on them. I've got to be patient. I've got to remember the lessons of the dental days. The dental offers would always come. I'm trying to remember that. Actually, I forgot my own hygiene fail earlier this week. A quality one too. Uh, Tuesday 5th of December, 1031 hours at my usual nearside urinal in the gents at the man's still trying to get used to the audio in there, not necessarily in the gents itself, but outside because you can hear everything. It just doesn't seem to be soundproof in there. And uh, I can hear a bunch of women so clearly. It made me think that the door had been left open to the gents. So I was trying to see if the door had somehow remained open. I craned my neck from the urinal to look across and uh, brushed the urinal with my left knee. That was uh, poor from me. A quick visit to the cafe before this bite-sized show is wrapped up. A shortage in my wallet of 10p pieces this week is uh, wreaking havoc with my tipping. It's become a major issue this month. And uh, it's something that's leaving me in serious danger of being an over-generous tipper. I don't want that. I want to get back to my frugal tipping and uh, the longer I'm having to tip over generously, the starker it's going to look when I drop back down to the 10p tip for less than 30 minutes in the cafe before the man claims me. On Tuesday 5th of December, 0810 hours, I gave Phil Collins £4 for my latte and Portuguese toast. Good buttering, by the way, spread to the corners. I was hoping to get a 50p and a two 10ps back from that. I just got the 50p and a 20p, so I had to leave the 20p tip. The 5th consecutive 20p tip I'd given. It's a concern because every day right now, I'm tipping the equivalent of the 12th of a latte. I've been so concerned by this issue that yesterday morning before the cafe, I was at the uh, Nine Elms uh, Monster, I was at the uh, self-checkout and uh, I was trying to make sure that my change gave me some 10p's. Uh, it didn't. Those self-checkouts just never give you the change that you want. So I asked the woman man in the uh, self-checkouts to break a 20p in change that I'd got. I got uh, two 10p uh, pieces. Still, I felt it wasn't enough, you know. 
It resolved the issue for one morning alone. I had two 5Ps in the wallet already. I thought I'd use a 20P coin and a 10P to make up the 30P of the £3.30 transaction. And I thought then I'll use the two 5Ps for the tip, which looked frugal. Thankfully, the bar wasn't yet lined up uh, with the alpha males that you get in there. The alpha male bar flies, you know, men without wallets carrying their money in their pockets like the Sopranos. So I used the two 5Ps, which meant uh, come Thursday morning. I can use another 10p coin for the tip. So I had two 10ps. It doesn't quite resolve uh, the problem this week, but it buys me some time. I do need to look into this shortage of 10p coins. It is making my mornings rather fraught. And that is it. That is today's show. I hope you guys enjoy your weekend and do what you do well. You can only do your best. Shoulders back, people. Keep on walking towards the sun. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. I'm back on Monday. I'm Daniel Ruiz-Tyson. And this week I have been available.